0: welcome to the true beauty brooklyn podcast i'm your host elizabeth taylor let's jump into today's show Alex isn't here with me for the introduction because she's on vacation, but before she went away, she and I interviewed Mandy Ansari, who is a digital marketer. She's also a brand strategist, a tech nerd, and a mental health advocate, and she leads community marketing at Bumble. Most importantly to us today is that Mandy is an Iranian-American, and she's really using her platform right now to help to amplify the voices of the incredible men and women who are leading the Iranian revolution right now. Obviously, a few weeks ago, we just had Yasmin and on and we had an incredible conversation with her. But as we know, the news cycle today turns over so quickly. And this is a story that is so important to both Alex and I. And we think to the history of the world and we want to be here to help to amplify these voices as much as we can. And so because when I reached out to um, an incredible woman who I follow on Instagram and just, you know said how much we wanted to help this story you know um, maintain its prevalency within the news and how can we help to amplify the voices of these women she sent us two not one but two incredible advocates for this cause and so we couldn't in our right minds choose just one incredible woman to bring to you guys we brought two so today we are going to be sharing our interview with mandy we hope that you love it enjoy guys
1: my name is mandy ansari i'm a mental health advocate a marketing executive and i'm an
2: immigrant mandy do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do I am a lifestyle blogger with
1: a passion for suicide prevention and mental health. So that really drives all of my content. I really like to use fashion, food, travel, all of that stuff as a gateway drug to get people to listen and care about mental health and um, honestly just help people chase happiness in their daily life. And all of this happened because mental health is a really taboo topic in the Middle Eastern community. It's not something that we talk about. And so growing up, I really never knew that I could voice when I was anxious or voice when I was stressed. I didn't really know what those things were. I just thought it was a feeling that I had to live with and uncomfortably you know, work through. And it wasn't until in my 20s, my roommate at the time, she was bipolar and became my very best friend and going through her very openness with her mental health journey allowed me to realize okay this is a real thing we can talk about it and how important it is to destigmatize it to destigmatize you know getting help asking for help voicing when you need help that that isn't a sign of vulnerability but it's actually a sign of strength and she about 7 years ago took her own life and lost her battle with depression, lifelong depression. But that really catapulted me into figuring out ways to make people smile, make people pause to really do a gut check and see, you know, how they're feeling mentally to ask for help when needed and to really create safe spaces where people could talk about their mental health.
2: Does anything exist in Iran as far as kind of what you're advocating for here. It's interesting you say that. So Iran is a very
1: young country, meaning that a large population, over 60% of the population is under the age of 30. And there's a lot going on there. You know, the people in Iran right now, I think just talking about what's happening in Iran right now, a lot of times people are seeing because Masa Amini was killed for not wearing her head job, her headscarf, you know, correctly as per the morality police in Iran. But What's happening right now, the revolution, it started as a protest when she was murdered by the Islamic regime. What's happening right now is a full-blown revolution of people who are fighting against gender apartheid, bodily autonomy, child marriage, no free expression, torture, no due process. And the LGBTQ community has never been able to express who they are. You know, there are multiple people who are multiple Members of the LGBTQ community. There's actually two that are advocates in Iran for LGBTQ community, and they are on death row right now. Their names are Sare and Elham. They are not allowed to be who they are, love who they want, and even talk about it. Um, there's unfair trials. There's censor- censorship. You know, women there aren't able to ride bicycles, sing, or dance in the street. So when you think about that, there really isn't room for them to be able to get help uh, when it comes to mental health. And we're talking about a generation that has been living under 43 years of an oppressive regime. So there isn't much there that exists to give them the mental health support that they need. And that's something for me, as everything's going on in Iran, that I have really been Trying to figure out, you know, is it an app? Is it talk therapy? What it, What is it that we can do, you know, to to give these people the support that they need? Because right now they're seeing their friends, their family members, their, you know, fellow citizens being killed in the streets and there's no support for their mental health. So that's something that weighs personally on my heart is the long-term effects of this. There's an image right now, a woman was killed for over the weekend. So just a couple of days ago for standing on the roof of her home, watching protests. She was not engaging in protests and she was shot by the guards. And her five-year-old daughter saw this, and there's these gripping images of her five-year-old daughter screaming, crying at her gravesite, obviously incredibly traumatized. And not only have they taken the life of her mother physically, but they've now impacted this young girl's life forever. And what is the long-term mental health support we're giving these people? I mean, that's just one example of money.
0: Wow. There's so much to be said. We're all going through this time of sustained trauma, like coming out of the other side of the pandemic. And I remember at one point sort of in the middle, like right when we started to come out of lockdown, right? And I was saying to my mom, you know, I'm so anxious. I'm just so anxious. And she was like, it's not normal for the nervous system to stay in this state of stress for so long sustained. It's not normal. And so whatever it is that we have to do to... You know, mitigate that is what we have to do. But on, on the flip side of that is in terms of the long term stress as an oppressed person, as a descendant of slaves, to see your people be killed in front of you or to see imagery of that. You're absolutely right. It does. It, it messes with you in ways that you have no idea until You know, 20 years down the future, if you're lucky enough to have mental health support and to go through therapy, you start to see how much it's affected you in life, how in all of the different little ways that it's affected your relationships, the way that you move through the world, the way that you view other people. And you're absolutely right that that we have no idea how much this is going to affect an entire generation, the pandemic and then this revolution. And it's just
1: so much sustained stress, There's two things you said that really brought two thoughts to my head is, one, what your mom said. So I nerd out. I have a background in psychology. I'm a licensed therapist. And uh, one of the things that changed my life when I realized it is the average person has, and that we're talking average. We're not talking someone who's triggered during a p- pandemic, who's in isolation, or who is watching their own people being killed. We're saying average person has 60,000 to 80,000 thoughts a day. Obviously, those are higher when you're, you know, triggered or stressed or going through something difficult. And out of those 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day, 80% of them, we are just wired for them to be negative. We're wired for them to be worst case scenario. We're wired to be in this fight or flight, you know, reactionary place when we have these thoughts. And Sometimes when we're in, you know, right now, like a revolution there, or when you look back at, you know, how everybody was in the middle of COVID, we were hit with the AAPI community being attacked with uh the Black community under incredible injustice and incredible discrimination. You know, when you think of all of that, those thoughts are even harder to combat. You know, it's very hard to sit down and be like, how can I be positive? How can I combat this negative thought with something that is going to help me find a moment of peace. And Mm -hmm. everything that's happening in Iran right now, and it's been happening for the last 43 years. So there's been different times where similar protests like this happened in 2009, when another woman, Neda Sultan, was murdered. However, we're now in this TikTok generation. Gen Z mm-hmm. is really leading the fight on this and they're able to disseminate information. And so things are honestly, they're responsible for, for gaining, getting this traction and being able to let the world know what's happening. But what's really interesting is as, a child of the, the diaspora. So I am someone who, you know, my family fled Iran. My mom was actually in political prison for two months as a 19 year old. Her father had just died at 17, and she was held in this prison. And this is the same prison that they're taking people to now. It's one of the biggest human rights violations in the world. It's called Evin. And somebody leaked a WhatsApp. I and mean, the mom of this girl in Iran last week leaked messages from her daughter because she was able to go visit her daughter in prison. So she messaged her daughter and said, what is it that I can bring you? The girl said, abortion pills, whatever you can do, find me abortion no, pills. No, no, no. Oh and God. for me, that broke my heart into a million pieces because I think of my mom being in that same prison as a 19 year old who had just lost her dad. But the fact that they are being, I mean, that was her, she can get anything for from her mom for her to bring to her. And she's mm-hmm. saying, please just bring abortion pills because mm-hmm. they're being tortured. They're being raped. They're being so many terrible things that I can't even really, you know, think through, but it's insane. And it makes me think, you know, we were lucky enough to seek asylum because a refugee organization in the States said, I need to do whatever I can to get a group of people, you know, get women out of Evin. And my mom happened to be one of the 30 people they were able to smuggle out of the prison. And just get got the chills. Yeah, and, and get, you know, out of Iran and out of that area. And what's interesting is, I think back on my life and I think back on how that affected me. I'm from a place of privilege. I'm watching all of this stuff happen on my cell phone. I'm not in Iran because my mom was one of the lucky ones that was able to escape, right? Mm-hmm. But I think about different times in my life. Like one of the things that women can't do in Iran right now is, So a man in Iran can have four wives. This is something that right now in 2022, a man can legally have four wives. A woman can only have one marriage, one husband. A man can get divorced without going to court. He simply needs to declare, I am no longer married to Mandy, for example. Whereas Mm -hmm. a woman needs to go to court in order to make a divorce official
2: and probably prove that something exactly bad. Yeah. And
1: I mean, this is really getting personal and sharing a, a deep personal part of my life. I don't usually talk about in this way, but um my parents, you know, I was 17 and 9-11 had just happened in the States. And my dad was an executive at a big tech company and he just felt that he was being you know, looked at differently because of the terrorist attacks that didn't have anything to do with Iran, but that happened at 9-11. As a Middle Eastern man, he was mm-hmm. feeling not at home here. So he decided, and he had a PhD and he decided, I want to go be a professor in Iran and I want to leave my family here and I want to divorce your mom and I'm going to go and I'm going to go to Iran and I'm going to teach. And now as an adult, as a 37-year-old, I was 17 at the time, I'm like, I can get that. He was passionate. He wanted, you know, that was something that he was feeling a tug on his heart to do. However, my dad was able to go there, remarry a 24 year old and say, I'm divorced from my mom. My mom here in America was still very much married legally. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy because as a child of the diaspora, we're living in America. Those rules, those laws, it, it, corrupt laws in Iran still affect personally affected me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a couple years later, my dad decided, oh, never mind. I don't like this 24-year-old wife. And I'm really Mm. not trying to paint my dad as a villain. And I hope he never hears this.
2: Fucking men. Men everywhere
1: in every country. And I I really hope he never hears this because, I mean, but it's the truth is he actually, maybe he should hear it, but he came back here and was like, I want to get back together with you to my mom. And at this time I was 19 and I was like, mom, what are you talking about? Like you, my mom is a strong woman. I mean, she survived Eving prison, right? She survived getting smuggled out of the country. And my mom was like, well, like marriages in Iran, that it doesn't count. It doesn't really count. And as a 19 year old, I lost my shit. And I was like, mom, it does count. You are not going to, you know, you are not going to be with this person who went and did this to you. Like you need to stand up for yourself. And I, and for years, I, I finally, when I learned therapy, I was like, I felt responsible for kind of keeping my mom maybe from getting back together with my dad, if that was what was supposed to happen. And finally, my mom, a couple of years ago, I just got married this summer and my dad didn't come to my wedding. We can unpack daddy issues on another episode, but (laughs) my mom, you know, I, I, I kind of started telling her things and she's like, I was kind of hoping you didn't remember those things. I was kind of hoping you Mm -hmm. were like busy with your own life that you didn't remember certain things. But these are the effects that a child from, of the diaspora where my parents were in the middle of this revolution, is still dealing with, you know, and I, Mm -hmm. I am privileged and I get to live in America and I get to see what's unfolding on my phone, but I'm still my life was very much affected by these ridiculously corrupt, terrible regime. Mm -hmm. and what they inflict on women. That's a lot. It was heavy. I'm sorry, but I got into it. No, thank
0: you. No, no. First, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. That was so um, candid and personal. And just like, thank you so much. But it's also telling about how women are used as these pawns, as political pawns in every sense of the way. And there's no autonomy. And even once you leave, trying to have autonomy is so difficult because of deeply ingrained... Beliefs. One of the things I love about this show and one of the things that we try to share with our audience is just empowerment and autonomy and how as women today in the year 2022, almost 2023, like we can be anything, right? Mm-hmm. This is the way Like, I'm very lucky to be raised by two feminists. But in hearing and watching this story, I'm getting emotional because it just shows me that it's like it's not true for everybody. Yeah. And And it's wild that in 2022, it's not true for all of us. And like, we have to work to make it true. It's just there's so much work that still needs to be done. A hundred percent. And thank God there are abortion pills that you can smuggle into that prison, right? Like, what if people don't get that? And like, what did people do before? It's just so heartbreaking. But also we can sit here and be like, (laughs) I support you. And we can go on our little marches here in America. But like the, the stakes are so much higher. The stakes for what little bit of freedom they are asking for are so much greater than ours. And it's just so overwhelming and and incredible to watch the bravery of of these people just like looking to be human.
1: Yeah. And I think what I really want people to know is this isn't an isolated issue that only affects Iran and Iranians. We have seen it the last couple of years. We have seen minority groups be attacked. We as women are seeing our rights being chipped away Every single day in America, we are seeing, you know, the fight for gay rights. I'm really scared about the next couple of years and what that means. I mean, with what's happened with Roe versus Wade and then what, what that means, what's, what comes next? You know, what comes next for the LGBTQ community? What Mm -hmm. we are, our rights are being chipped away. And this is what happened in 1979 in Iran. And now this is where they're at. So this is a civil rights movement that everybody should be caring about. And I really feel strongly that if you care about human rights, if you were a part of the Me Too group, if you were a part of the Women's March, you know, this is something that you need. If you're to part sit. of BLM, if, if you're you part of have BLM, yes.
0: hashtag BLM in your Instagram profile. Right.
1: B- you better give a fuck. Yeah, you, you have to. And I truly believe when we unite, all of us, when we unite, big things are going to happen. And I'm passionate personally that what's happening in Iran, because I get a lot of whataboutism. So as a social media influencer, I have a a following of about a little bit over 400,000. And so I get a lot of messages and I am very loud all the time about social issues that don't affect me personally. This one does affect me personally, but I get people and honestly, all of them affect me personal because my best friends, my family members, they're all people that, you know, my nephew is is half black and we go places and he, I see the way he's treated next to his step, you know, his half brother's I see the colorism. I, Mm -hmm. even myself, I'm very, like, I personally look, I look white. I don't look Iranian. You know, my whole family does not look like me. I don't know why, but that's just how it is. And Mm -hmm. so I get treated differently than they do. And it's just so fucked up. But I believe when we all come together, like, people will message me and be like, okay, well, what about Armenia? What about Ukraine? And I'm like, we are all in this together because a win for women's rights, a win for civil rights, for human rights, for gay rights anywhere is a win for all of us everywhere. You know, this is so important. And it's like, when we stand up for one another, everybody is emboldened then to stand up. That's we're giving courage to other minority groups to stand up and say, you know, we've started this Iranian diaspora collective. And I don't know if you guys talked about it at all in the last episode, but we've raised half a million dollars simply for media visibility. And Mm -hmm. the reason why we did this was because we weren't seeing Iran being reported in the news. We weren't seeing anybody talking about it. And I understand because to many, the Middle East is this far place that can be kind of intimidating. You don't want to say something wrong. You don't want to get it wrong. You don't want to get into the politics of it all. But we were like, okay, no one's talking about us. We're going to create our own media. We're going to get a billboard in Times Square. We are going to get the press that this needs, and we're going to raise attention around this. Just last Saturday, in Times Square is by the big billboards that we put up. We had um, Ukrainians and the Burmese people join our march. And we all came together and it was so fucking powerful because Mm -hmm. all of these people that are going through, there's um, a trans woman, a trans black woman, Queen Jean in Brooklyn, and Queen Jean has been this advocate for Iran she is at every protest. She is leading the chance. And the first time I saw Queen Jean, and she's just a powerful presence, her on this bullhorn leading chants for Iran, I just started crying because mm-hmm. as someone who cares a lot about the trans community, I broke down because I was like, she hasn't gotten a lot of support from the Middle Eastern community. She hasn't gotten a lot of solidarity from the Middle Eastern, from the broader Middle Eastern community, right? And Mm -hmm. here she is being like, no, this is a civil rights movement. And if they win, I win. And that to me, just like... It inspires me. It inspires me that when we all stand up for one another, we are pushing things forward and we are able to stand up to all of these little microaggressions and all of these little things that are trying to chip our rights away from us underneath our
2: noses. Yeah. I like how you say chip away because that's exactly it. And that's how this shit always goes down. It's not usually just all of a sudden overnight. It's very slowly over time. And I think that's What's so scary?
0: It's so scary. Well, yeah, it's scary because we're watching it. It's wild in that each little loss, it felt so devastating to the point when, not to bring it back to the pandemic, but it's like, do you remember when it's just like, you felt so numb to everything that was coming in because we were just so over oversaturated with like doom and gloom and nothing positive. And so it was like every loss, it was just, we got used to it. And that's exactly what it is, Alex, is like slowly chipping away. So it's it's not just this one big monumental collapse. It's like slowly over time. And that's what's terrifying about yeah, it. Yeah,
1: and it's it's crazy because I will actually, I'll share it. I posted this on my stories, but I had posted something about Iran and then somebody messaged me and said, shut up already, literally direct quotes, shut up already. Why do you care about this? Mind your own business. The Iranians don't affect you. And I wrote back, I am Iranian. And then all she had to write back was, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were white. And I posted it and everyone was like, okay, so what if you were white? You should give a fuck. Like, you should care for other people. I'm not the only one that gets to talk about Iran because I'm Iranian. And it's that toxic mindset that has put the Black community where they are. So just because you're Black, you get to talk about it. White women— it coincidentally it was a white woman who was sending me that. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. why aren't you speaking up for other things? You know, like we need to all be speaking up. It was such a weird moment and it was such a mind fuck because I'm like, what are you trying to say? And all she said was, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were white. If anything, if I were white, I should be louder and caring about because I have the privilege to not be attacked, you know?
2: Yes. Forgetting that that's like part of a big part of the problem is people not giving a fuck if it doesn't directly affect them. And I think that throughout history, that's obviously been a problem. Yeah. And it's sick because the way that woman commented is how I think a lot of people feel. It's really gross.
1: And it it's crazy. It hurts. You know, after George Floyd was murdered, it was a fundraiser that I posted about on my stories for Brianna Taylor's family for funeral costs. And it was actually my most shared thing of the year. And we were able and I was able to match donations with a couple of other partners and we raised seventy three thousand dollars that we were then able to give to different funds. But I did get a lot of messages saying, like, why do you care about this so much? And I'm like, is this even really a question we're asking in 2020? Like, Mm -hmm. why are we so isolated caring about just ourselves and what affects
2: us? You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's so toxic and I don't know how to change it. (laughs) Did we learn anything from the fucking global pandemic we all just lived through? Like, at the very least, there's recent history that kind of teaches us that we need to care for one another. And yeah, we should care, even if it doesn't directly affect us.
1: as much as we take steps forward i do believe that like gen z is really fiery especially when i see their courage in iran you know a couple of the girls that have gotten murdered in iran they posted a tiktok of themselves going into a protest and then that's the last anyone ever heard of them and they were murdered so i think they have this like fire that generations past didn't have but one thing is in recent years especially as we talk about you know You have the anti-maskers, we had George Floyd, we had BLM, we had AAPI, there's so many things. We have women's rights, we have abortion, all of these things, right? But in recent years, I think many have been quick to label posting on social media about human and civil rights as a virtue signaling. And um, since the regime in Iran has heavily restricted internet access in Iran, the people fighting in Iran are actually desperate to know if the world hears them. And I have social media followers inside Iran who have found workarounds? You know, there's different VPNs, and a lot of them are highly intelligent. So they've found ways to hack, you know, and get their own internet and they gain internet access just to check these protest hashtags. And their response when they look up these hashtags like hashtag Iran revolution, hashtag woman life freedom, which by the way, woman life freedom, I don't care where you're from or who you are. You should care about woman life freedom. I mean, that's a feminist movement,
2: Mm -hmm. but
1: they see these hashtags trending and they say, we feel seen, we feel less alone. We feel protected. We feel energized to keep fighting for freedom. And so while posting on, social media, I think has gotten a little, you know, people feel like it's a virtue signaling or it's performative. In this case, it's actually not. It's very pivotal in bringing awareness around what's happening in Iran because they're living in a government that is re- like heavily throttled and restricted cell phone coverage. And at times there's been weekends where they have cut off internet access completely. So for us, for anyone to be posting and to be raising awareness is important. Every voice truly, truly matters.
0: Yes. And also it matters because that's the only way to get people to care, especially in this country where capitalism is king and dollars matter, which means that visibility matters is likes like that little double click. It's so stupid, but it matters, especially right now. It matters. How do you think that anybody finds out about this? The amount of women who I've spoken to who have no idea what's going on is shocking to me. Same. Shocking. Because things these days, they spread like wildfire. But to me, it's like the reason that nobody is hearing it is because we're not talking about it enough. I try really hard to diversify my timeline. I try really hard to see what's going on in other communities. And that's the only reason that I even saw this. And I was like, whoa, 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 what? Yeah. yeah. And since then, it's like here and there, like Vogue will be like, oh, women are cutting off their ponytails, we heard. We heard, yeah. (laughs) And it's like that. that's thank you, but also... Why isn't there more?
1: A hundred percent. We were talking about before we started recording, right? We all kind of love reality TV. And what's crazy is the day that Massa Amini was murdered, the news circuit was inundated with news about Tristan Thompson and Khloe Kardashian's surrogate. And that's what was trending. And that's what my New York Times headline and my email was talking about. Oh, my God. And there was a whole civil rights movement and an uprising happening and people murdered. So I'm conflicted because I love pop culture and I love stuff like that. But then it's also like we need to make room and make space and prioritize things that maybe are a little less sexy, you know? Yes. And things that at the end of the
0: day really will affect all of us because of all of the reasons that people are afraid to talk about it. It's the Middle East. Mm -hmm. So there's like bigger things that are happening besides just women uprising. And to be able to watch this in real time, to watch this revolution that's being led by real women, which are things that we've only read about in this country, is just so... I don't want to say it's beautiful, but it's also just like heart wrenching. It's all of these things. It's just like so much human emotion to it that, like, how can you not care?
1: It's crazy, too, because Iran is an incredibly diverse community. But for so long, it's just been known by the West as the Islamic Republic of Iran. When for so long, it's been for 43 years, it's been the Islamic Republic versus Iran. And Iran is comprised of millions of minorities from various ethnic and religious backgrounds. We have Jews. We have Baha'is. We have Christians. We have Zoroastrians. We even have Orthodox Catholics. And we have a large community of black people in the south of Iran, big, large black communities in Iran. I mean, it's it's a very incredibly diverse country. And freedom for Iran means freedom for a whole lot of people, a whole lot of people who have been suppressed. Oh, my goodness.
2: It's crazy. It's also so nuts because like when you're telling the story about your dad, I'm like, That wasn't that long ago. No. It was 20 20 years years ago. ago. I forget that those things still stand in a country like Iran. To me, it's like, oh, something I would have read about in textbooks from 150 years ago. Yeah. And that's so crazy. That's crazy me. I mean, even just bringing it down to like a woman can't ride a bike.
1: Like I think we yeah. all live in New York City, like city bikes. So we're not allowed to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. You can't sing or dance in the street. I mean, if you walk through Washington Square Park, like women are singing and dancing in the street. Imagine if we weren't able to do that. It's like the most trivial little things. And and that's why I'm like, this is not about compulsory heads, headscarf. This is not about that. This is about bodily autonomy. It is about the woman's right to choose. It is about human rights. It is about civil rights. Like, how are LGBTQ activists on death row awaiting execution? And we're being silent about this. Like mm-hmm. we need everybody who has ever celebrated pride or gone to a women's march or went to a BLM protest. We need all of those people to have their eyes on Iran right now because the liberation of Iran will have a trickle effect in history that will hopefully tell people you cannot steal our rights. You cannot suppress or oppress us.
0: Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. What are some solutions? What are some, now that we all got our rage out of
1: us,
0: (laughs) (laughs) what are some ways in which we can direct, you know, opportunity and what does opportunity look like? How does, how does it look like moving forward for us to walk away from this conversation and feel like we can contribute to this cause?
1: Engaging in conversations with the hashtags woman life freedom, free Iran, Iran revolution. Like I said, a social media post goes a long way. I had a DM from someone in Iran who told me like they're like literally saying like, thank you for being our voice. Nobody is our voice. Every time we see that somebody has used the hashtag, we feel invigorated because these people are going in the streets and they're risking their lives every single day. Yes. I mean, there was a rapper that has been arrested two days ago and he's always been, he's a very like a Kendrick Lamar, if I'm going to draw a correlation, loud about social justice, loud about civil rights, very like politically forward lyrics. And he has been in every protest and there's an interview. He just, he did a couple of weeks ago where he said, if I get arrested or if I get killed, I don't want the protesters to stop. I don't, because that's, we don't have time for mourning right now. We have to fight. And now he's been arrested. But yesterday, everybody, every Iranian was bombarding every rapper, um, tagging them in posts about Tumaj Salehi, this rapper. Ice Cube reposted, Little John reposted. This has like... You got to think about it that the dictators in Iran, they are scared of the internet. That's why they're suppressing it. They are scared of Western voices learning about this and standing up for them. So it may seem like a silly thing to tag Kendrick Lamar and Little John and Ice Cube in a post about a detained rapper, but it is making a difference. And this happened a couple of weeks ago with another singer in Iran who wrote a song, um, based on tweets that he had been seeing, he's in Iran and he was, he sang a song and actually Coldplay sang it in Argentina with, they invited an Iranian um, singer up and they sang it in Argentina and they live streamed it. And that, that singer, he had been detained and we were all, you know, thinking, cause usually when you're detained, that means death. Um, mm. but, He had 34 million in 24 hours, 34 million views on his video. And I I believe it scared the Islamic regime so much that they were like, if we kill him, they're going to know that we did this. And so they released him. Now, of course, he's probably under heavy, you know, being watched and being censored and all of that. But they didn't kill him. They let him go. So Mm -hmm. social media, it worked, it did work, you know, and it sounds trivial when you break it down, like, oh, please post about it and tag these rappers, but it actually does work. So there's that. And then there's also the work that we're doing with the Iranian Diaspora Collective, where donating to our GoFundMe helps us. Today, we have wild postings go up all over New York and all over LA. We've been able to activate in 136 locations with the simple message of, Woman, life, freedom, and Iran Revolution, and be our voice. And it is it is garnering a minimum of twenty two million media impressions, which is wild. And so, if you want to donate to a cause, Iranian Diaspora Collective is really helping secure press, helping get voices to care about this and and activate, so people can learn about it. Because, like you said, Alex, like people don't know. A lot of people you've talked to don't know and haven't heard about this. And Elizabeth, you were like. I can't imagine, like so many people are just unaware. And so media visibility, I mean, I, I led a protest last weekend or last Thursday in Times Square with our huge billboard and probably 800 people came by and said, what's going on in Iran? What are you guys talking about? So that the visibility and bringing attention to that really does matter over the weekend. Vital voices penned an open letter to the UN and it was signed by people like Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton. Gloria Steinem, and they are urging the U.N. because as crazy as it is, for some reason, the Islamic Republic of regime, uh, Islamic Republic of Iran, sorry, of regime, literally, Mm -hmm. um, is on the U.N. Women's Council. Does not make sense. So Vital Voices is really doing work led by Michelle Obama, you know, Hillary Clinton and Gloria Steinem and all these people, Laura Bush. They're coming together and they're putting their political differences aside to say, the UN needs to remove them from this. Like there are violations against human rights happening in Iran and we need to no longer stand with them. So mm-hmm. there's a lot you can do. There's a lot of different, um, you can go on my Instagram, Mandy, I have links to them and a highlight. And you know, there's different petitions you can sign. There's different change.org petitions. There's an amnesty one. And then there's also if you'd like to donate to the Iranian Diaspora Collective, that's a way to help. But a social media post is carries its weight in gold as well.
2: For sure. Because think of like, you know, the and Instagram specifically. My algorithm's very weird. And so yeah, the more that people post and people from different, yeah, like I don't follow little John, but <laughs> the, you know, the guy sitting next to me on the subway, maybe he does. And that's the only way that he will find out about this. Yeah. You know, like the people that I follow are all like very similar. And a lot of them do care about this. so A lot of them have posted about it. And that makes sense. But for other people, that's not the case. And it's like, how else do you spread the word?
1: Yeah. It's funny you say that too, because obviously I don't always, I mean, I post about human rights all the time, but my main content is mental health, fashion, you know, travel, beauty, skincare. Right. And so yeah. the other day I was like, I wonder how many followers I've lost because they're probably like over it, you know, over hearing me talk about this. And I posted a, I posted a survey and said, you know, I'm usually loud about human rights, but I know that I've been talking about this a lot and it's taken over my head, my content, my mind, everything, my emotions. Um, and I put three poll items and I said, keep talking till Iran's free. It's a lot, but it's important. Keep talking. And the last one was, honestly, I want to unfollow you because I don't care about this. And I had 37,000 people respond to the poll and 0% said We don't care about this. We're going to unfollow you. Now, maybe because they've already unfollowed me and that's okay. But I was actually telling my cousin this, who has, you know, 1200 followers. But I said, listen, I might have 400,000 some, but the people who follow me largely think the way that I do. And I'm like, you are your own influencer. The people who follow you, you don't talk about this stuff. He's 25 gay. And like, I'm like, you don't, you know, and most of his friends are from college. There's college bros and whatever. I'm like, You posting, you're your own influence. Like you have more influence to turn people's heads to see what's going on than I do. And I think sometimes people underestimate that. I've spent so many hours. Yesterday, I spent an hour helping my aunt (laughs) who has a largely Christian Republican audience on Facebook and on Instagram just because of how who she is, but she cares about Iran as an Iranian woman, I spent an hour helping her get a reel up on her platforms because I'm like, that has impact. I want those Republican white women to see this. I want, you know, I want them, the conservative Iranians, to care about the gay community that is on death row in Iran. And to me, her influence might even be greater than the one that I have. So I think it's just Mm -hmm. really bringing it back to every voice matters. I love that.
2: I do think about this. Like, if I post something on my Instagram, I don't have a lot of followers, but I do have, like, randos from high school who follow me who I know are way more conservative. Yeah. So if I post something, I just wonder if it sparks anything in their brain or if they're like, fuck this girl. No, but I believe it does. Because they might not be seeing that from anyone else that they follow. It's very possible exactly. that, like— Everyone else they follow has their similar mindset. It's
0: definitely we all live in our own little bubbles, Shapiro, for sure. And I think that that's such a great message, Mandy, is that the people that follow you largely probably do think like you. And so that's why it's important for everybody to just be talking about everything all the time, just so at least, you know, just so at least, you know. I always talk about how I've turned off like all of my alerts mm-hmm. <laughs> for like the times and everything, but I live in New York City, so like I find out about a lot of things that are going on, and I try to surround myself with people who have different mindsets. They just like all happen to like eyebrows. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> so I talk to them all. You know what I mean? But I get like these different um, opinions and these different ideas, and like yeah, you just have to. Everybody listening to this, just tell one person, two if you can. And it costs nothing. It costs nothing. And it takes 30 seconds. Repost. Take a screenshot. Repost it. Yeah.
1: If you're scared and you don't know what to say, I mean, Michelle Obama has posted about this. Oprah has posted about this. If you follow me, I have posted about this. Repost something somebody else has said because, you know, they've done their research. So no one's asking you to go do research. You're not going to say something wrong. Just get the word out.
0: A hundred percent. And I know that anybody who's listening to this cares about all of the rights that are at stake.
1: Yeah. Nobody's
0: like, you know what? Fuck those people. Fuck the women. Fuck the LGBTQ. Like, nobody is thinking that. Nobody's no. listening to this and thinking this. Everybody's like, that is my homegirl, my best friend, my my yeah. neighbor, my colleague. Like, everybody who's listening to this show is thinking this. And so we got to let people know.
2: Yeah, we are lucky and privileged. Like, we have access to the internet and we can do this. So it is kind of up to us. It totally. is. totally. Yeah, especially when a whole nation's having... Their internet sup-
1: suppressed and sent, you know, censored. They don't have the access, so we got to do it for them.
0: Yes,
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I- I'm down to do it for them. Me too.
0: <laughs> I love you me both. Me too, for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, Mandy, we love you too. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank, Thank you, you for having and- me.
2: Will you uh,
0: I know that you just said it, but we just um, tell everybody how they can support you uh, specifically since we I know we just ran down the, all the causes, but like how they can find you, how they can learn more about you.
1: Yeah, my Instagram is super easy. It's literally Mandy, M-A-N-D-Y. You can find me there in my link. How did, bio. How did get you that get one? that How do people get their one? Yes. Yeah. I was thinking it it's a lot I'm. I'm honestly behind everything. I'm a tech nerd. I'm a Silicon Valley tech nerd who was very involved in startups and all of that in the very beginning of social mm. media. So, so you were the first, Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> I it came later actually, but um, yeah, I'm a tech nerd, so that's how that happened. But find me on social media on Instagram, Mandy M A N D Y. There you will find a link to the GoFundMe by the Iranian Diaspora Collective in my bio. You'll also find a high that is called Free Ron. And that has everything you could ever want to learn about, repost. Um, it's a collection of different people that I look up to that I know who have been doing their research. I've been collecting all of those in a highlight to make it really easy for people to get educated and also to share.
0: That's awesome. It can't get any easier. You just have to look up Mandy.
2: Literally, I mean, it Mandy. doesn't get any easier. M A N D Y. Even Mandy Moore didn't even get to just get Mandy. She must be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of de- I get a lot of
1: like uh, comments because there's also a Mandy Sachs in the who's a wrestler. So I get a lot of like people <laughs> trying to tag Mandy Sachs this wrestler and Mandy Moore and I they're accidentally tagging me. And I'm kind of like all press is good press. Keep tagging me. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I love it.
0: (laughs) Okay, thank you so much for sharing everything with us. This has been incredible. Yeah, honestly, it's been such a such an honor.
1: Thank you for using your platform for just caring about everything from eyebrows to social justice and civil rights. I appreciate voices like yours and I feel honored and privileged to be able to be invited to the table with you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
2: you so, so much.
0: I hope that you guys love that episode. I know that this story, it means so much to me. It means so much to Alex. It means so much to everybody who works on the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. And that's why we are speaking about this so much. That's why we're sharing this story twice. And we really hope and encourage you to share this episode with whomever you can You know, go on to all of the resources that Mandy mentioned. Please just do your part to fight for women's rights. I mean, I think that the message is clear. We're in a really dangerous zone right now in bodily autonomy and just doing everything that we can in a place where we have the freedom to just hit send, to just look at our phones and press send, give a like, to hit a share. It takes so little to do so much with what we have for people whose stakes, they're just counting on us. They're counting on us to liberate them to help them with their liberation they're doing the liberating we're just here to help to amplify their voices to make sure that they're heard and to make sure that they're not doing this in vain so i hope that this story means as much to you guys as it means to us i really know that it does because y'all are beauty baddies y'all are here for it so as always you can send us your listener letters to Podcast at gmail.com you can follow us on instagram at truebeautybrooklynpodcast you can follow my personal account. I'm at the Brown Elizabeth Taylor. Alex is at Alex Lindley. You can make an in person or a virtual appointment at truebeautybrooklyn.com to hang with me, Elizabeth. And if you want to go and see Alex, she'll be back from vacation by then. You can make an appointment at cheekybrooklyn.com. And that's it. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. The True Beauty Brooklyn podcast is produced by Beta Wave and Elizabeth Taylor and is mixed by Beta Wave. Follow us on Instagram at True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast. And if you'd like to further support the show, consider leaving us a five star review on Apple Podcasts.